You're listening to All Aboard, presented by Coors Light and the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen with Sun Devil head football coach Herm Edwards. Now alongside Coach Edwards is the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of All Aboard with Herm Edwards, the Sun Devil Radio Network's weekly hour-long show highlighting Arizona State football and featuring Sun Devil head coach Herm Edwards. All Aboard is presented by Coors Light and the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Sun Devil Football, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to tonight's broadcast. We're here with you every Thursday night during the football season to bring you all the latest news and notes from the realm of Arizona State football. You can join us each week on Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. If you want to watch the show, we are airing the show all aboard live on Facebook Live. You can check out the live stream of the show on the Sun Devil football facebook page our guest on tonight's show will be sun devil senior safety evan fields who had a remarkable game in last saturday's season opener at usc posting 17 tackles the most of any player in the pac-12 in week one of this season in addition we'll be joined by second year asu running backs coach sean aguano who will talk about the outstanding play of two of his brand new running backs as the sun devils totaled 258 yards rushing against USC. But to get things started tonight, it is always my pleasure to welcome in the third-year head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, Coach Herm Edwards. Good evening, Herm. How are you this evening? Good evening, Tim. Um, Glad to be with you and uh, excited about maybe having the opportunity to play a football game this week. Boy, that's been the question on everybody's mind, isn't it? Will Saturday night's Arizona State-California game, which is the Sun Devils 2020 home opener, be played as scheduled. Now, the concern had been the fact that California had its season opener last week canceled because its entire defensive line group was in quarantine after one of those linemen had tested positive for COVID-19 and that quarantining not scheduled to end until next Tuesday, November 17th. But before we explore Cal's situation, Coach, there's breaking news regarding your team, which did not hold It's usual Thursday practice today. There's been widespread reporting on various platforms today that the practice was canceled because of COVID-19 related issues. Now, with the understanding that Arizona State University's policy is to not publicly comment on any issues pertaining to the coronavirus, what, Herm, can you tell us about your team's day today and what can you address regarding your team's health right now? Well, we, we had uh, postponed it um, due to the fact that we needed to do some testing today with our coaching staff as well as our whole football team. So looking at tomorrow, um, uh, once we get the test back, uh, we'll kind of find out where we're at right now. But we anticipate trying to play a football game. Do you anticipate having a practice tomorrow? Of course, Fridays normally during the season when the Sun Devils travel, it's obviously a travel day when they're playing a home game as this is. Uh, you, your teams usually have a walkthrough, a light walkthrough on Friday. What will your team be doing tomorrow besides, obviously, the testing? You know, that's what we plan on doing, uh, getting in a little later, uh, to do it, uh, with the fact that the test won't get in uh, until later this uh, afternoon tomorrow. And then have a walkthrough and then, um, you know, prepare ourselves uh, to get ready to play. Do you have any concerns at this moment about your team's ability to play a game against Cal this weekend or any issues that could linger beyond this weekend? Well, I think no one knows. You know, every week, every college football team is always concerned uh, 
when the players and coaches take tests, you're hoping that it, it, they, they, they weigh out in your favor. And so um, uh, when we get the results of these tests, we'll figure out where we're at. Now, of course, to you, the, the, uh, we shift to your opponent. Uh, what is the latest you and your program are hearing from Berkeley relative to Cal's ability to play to come here and play Arizona State this weekend? Well, well, I, I think they're waiting on clearance from the city health officials. Um, so that is beyond my pay grade. Um, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. I just leave that alone. We 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 have our own problems uh, to try to solve here. So we'll see what is where it's at. Are you surprised, though, that there hasn't been a decision from their end by now as to whether they would be down here? Well, a little bit, but not really. Uh, I think you try to go as long as you can to, to make sure you're going to try to play. I mean, everybody wants to play. Uh, players, coaches, we all want to play. So I just think the longer you can stretch it out to, to try to play until they say you cannot, um, that's what you're trying to do. Of course, uh, all Pac-12 schools have access to rapid result COVID testing, uh, but the programs are still governed by their respective local health agencies. And in this case, it's the city of Berkeley that's calling the shots and uh, their protocols have resulted, as we said earlier, in Cal's defensive line group being placed in quarantine because of a positive test of one of their players. And Herm, as I understand it, the Pac-12 minimum is uh, four scholarship defensive linemen need to be available to have a team uh, ready to play. So uh, that's, I guess, the issue in doubt right now with their team. Yes, exactly. And so um, you got to play the numbers and look at it. And, you know, it just puts everybody in a, in a tough position. Um, you know, this is a virus that's an invisible opponent. Um, no one is, 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 is trying to go out. And I think these young people have done a Nice job, but it's just so hard um, because um, you can't see it. And, and socially, when you open yourself up and put yourself in position where you might not know people that, uh, that are around you and where they've been, then you can get exposed. You've said it all along that uh, you're playing two opponents every game, aren't you? A good Pac-12 team and the coronavirus. Yep, no doubt. And, and it's still here. He's still he's still fighting. He's going strong. And getting stronger is uh, the unfortunate thing, as we've seen nationwide. And I'm just curious, Herm, with all that swirled about them this week, trying to bounce back from a loss at SC, not certain if their opponent is going to be able to be here to play, now having one of their own practices canceled today. How do you sense you your guys are dealing with all of this from a mental standpoint? I'm going to give our kids a lot of credit. Um, they've been, uh, you know, they've been very, very good as far as knowing how to adjust and dealing with the circumstances that um, uh, they've been given. And um, that's the one thing I'll say uh, about our team is that, um, you know, they, they all understand. And uh, there's certain things we told them in the beginning that we can't control. Uh, and uh, if that comes about, how we handle it, uh, says a lot about us as a team. Looking back at last Saturday, I thought it was compelling earlier this week when you at your news conference Monday mentioned that uh, the loss to USC was one of the toughest that you've had to deal with uh, in your coaching career. And uh, what do you hope will be some of the main lessons that your team will take away from what you said were a lot of teachable moments in that game against the Trojans? Opportunity. And when opportunity presents itself, um, 
you don't get a you don't get a, a redo. You know, you don't like. Well, I'm gonna get another chance. You don't. That that's practice. That's when you repeat the play. <laughs> in a game, there's no repeats. And so when the opportunity presents itself, like it did numerous times, SC cashed in on the opportunity. And you got to give them a lot of credit. Uh, they put themselves in position at the end there and made the, uh, the plays necessary, whether it was on offense, defense, or special teams, uh, to go ahead and take the lead. So um, my hat's off to them. Um, it's a learning lesson for our football team. It's just one that got away, and I think all the players know it. And yet there were a lot of encouraging moments, I thought, from your team in that game Saturday. What were the, some of the ones that encouraged you the most, the aspects of play or the performances you saw? Well, I thought the young runners did a nice job of running the football. Uh, you know, two young guys that have never played uh, Power 5 football. Uh, one was a freshman, one's a JC guy. But Sean Aguano got those guys ready to play, and um, they did a remarkable job. You know, Ben Scott was had to play uh, – uh, the right tackle for us. Uh, first time, you know, he played out right tackle. Did a, did a nice job there. Um, defensively, I thought holding the score down early in the game helped us. Uh, not a lot of, not allowing a lot of explosion plays. Uh, and then taking the ball away. Now, we gave the ball up too many times. You know, we, we gave it to them three times. We took it away four times. Uh, but I thought there were some signs of uh, some good football. Yeah, I thought your defensive line, uh, which was considered to be an area of uncertainty going into the season, by and large played well, pressured the pocket a lot of the day, sacked Keaton Slovis, their outstanding quarterback, three times. What did you see from your D-line last week? Did a remarkable job when you think about playing 95 plays. (laughs) That's another thing I've been involved in. I've never been in, in, you know, with a team that played 95 defensive snaps. Now, a lot of that was on us because we didn't get off the field. But 95 football plays is a lot of plays defensively. And um, for the, when you give an op- opponent like that that many opportunities, um, eventually they're going to hit one or two of them on you. But, but I thought our D-line did a nice job of pressuring the quarterback at times and, as you mentioned, getting him on the ground. Offensively, when Frank Darby, your senior wideout, went down with a rib injury, it hurt the passing game. How did you size up the opening game play of your young receivers and how they moved forward off of that game one experience? Well, it was a big stage and um, learning moments. I think we grow from it. Um, but, but I like our young core of receivers. I think eventually um, when we watch them play, we're going to say, wow. Uh, these guys are, pretty, you know, t- a talented group of players. So it, it's the first time our staff was together. Um, when you think about all the parts on offense, brand new defense. Um, so there was a lot of moving parts. Uh, but I thought our sideline uh, and how we conducted our sideline was good for the first time was playing in a live game together as a staff. How's Frank progressing off that rib injury? And would he be available if you do play this game with uh, Cal this weekend? Yeah, I, I think he will be available. So that, that's good to note. Um, uh, so, you know, we need him in the lineup. Uh, he has experience. Uh, he's played a lot of football games and is a very productive football player. No matter where you're watching the ASU game, Saturdays are made to chill with Coors Light. Coors Light, an official beer of ASU. And remember, 21 means 21. 
Still plenty more to come on tonight's edition of All Aboard with Herm Edwards, presented by Coors Light and the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen. It's not often that a player from a losing team gets recognized as a Pac-12 Player of the Week. Arizona State had two players honored for their outstanding play at USC. We'll have details coming up, and then later we will hear from ASU running backs coach Sean Aguano and senior safety Evan Fields. But first, let's take this time out on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Start the second quarter of All Aboard, presented by Coors Light. The Lodge on First and Farmer in Tempe has been our great host for All Aboard with Coach Herm Edwards the past two seasons. We miss Justin and the entire staff that took great care of us down at the Lodge, but fans, you can still visit and enjoy the amazing food outside on the patio at the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen. Sun Devil fans, don't miss your chance to join us in spirit at Sun Devil Stadium this season. A limited number of fan cutouts are still available for purchase. Reserve yours today by visiting thesundevils.com slash fan cutouts. We continue now on All Aboard with Herm Edwards, presented by Coors Light and the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen. I'm Tim Healy, your host, welcoming you back to tonight's show as we continue our conversation with Sun Devil head coach Herm Edwards. And Herm, that spot I just read inviting fans to purchase cutouts to be displayed inside Sun Devil Stadium this season, it put me in mind of a, of a question to ask you. What was it like playing in an empty L.A. Coliseum in last week's uh, opener at USC? And if this Saturday's game with Cal is played, what do you think it will be like in an empty Sun Devil Stadium? Well, it was, it was, it was odd. To be quite honest, uh, when you walked out of the tunnel and you realized there was no fans in there. But then I think once the game started being played, I, both both parties, uh, SC as well as our guys, they created their own energy. But it was different. You know, they had the little the little the, the fan noise in the background. But it, it became muscle. You know, it just came. You know, white noise after a while. You know, it was just kind of you heard it, but. But but I thought once we got into playing the game of football, the players were uh, they were they, they, they brought their own energy, which was kind of fun. And we talked about that all week. We said, look, we got to bring our own energy. How did the logistical part of the trip go for the squad? The traveling, adhering to the COVID protocols, the early wake up call to play a morning game, uh, a game that started at nine a.m. Pacific time. <laughs> Um, I thought the protocol procedures went well. They were very organized. Our players were organized. Um, you know, they did a nice job of, of really making sure everyone uh, was tested. Uh, and I think the players handled it correctly. So uh, that was pretty smooth for the first time. Even in a losing effort, I think the Sun Devils impressed a lot of West Coast football observers with their hard play at SC, so much so, in fact, that two Arizona State players were honored for their performances by the Pac-12 Conference. Junior linebacker Merlin Robertson was named the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week after he posted 10 tackles, five of them solos, and one fumble recovery. In addition, Merlin had a tackle for loss on a fourth and one at the ASU six-yard line to stop a USC scoring drive, and then a spectacular diving interception deep in Trojan territory late in the first half to stop another SC scoring opportunity. And Based on that performance, Herm, it seems to me that Merlin is primed to have a huge year this year. What are the biggest differences you see in him now as, say, opposed to a year ago? 
Well, I think his maturity, uh, his, uh, he's familiar with the system now. Um, you know, he, he has grown leaps and bounds. And, you know, Merlin has gone through a lot. He lost his dad uh, last season, and that was an emotional game for him uh, going into the Coliseum, playing in Los Angeles. So all those things are factors. Um, he has a family. So he's a different young man right now. I love the phrase that your co-defensive coordinator, Antonio Pierce, used yesterday when he talked to the media. And he said that Merlin and his fellow linebacker, Darian Butler, were what AP called the enforcers of the Arizona State defense. Uh, he makes a great point. Very physical. Uh, and, you know, and you, you think about it, um, what, two years ago, they were little freshmen. And we, I can remember starting those two freshmen along with Rashari. Started about four freshmen that year. They were their guys, and uh, it's amazing how they've grown up, become leaders of the defense, and um, it, you know they, they have a lot of confidence now playing in the Pac Pac twelve. The more you play, the more confidence you, be, you, know, you get as a player. So it's kind of fun to watch them mature. Isn't that one of the most satisfying aspects of your job to watch these young men come in as wide-eyed freshmen and then two, three, four years later just see the mature young men that they have developed into? It really is. And, and, and both of them are, are great leaders, uh, you know, because they feel like it's their defense, it's their team as well. And they, they, will, they, will, get after, they will get after their teammates when, when necessary. And that's always a good thing. In addition to Merlin Robertson being Defensive Player of the Week, punter Michael Turk was named the Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week after he averaged almost 52 yards on his five punts, landing three of them inside the 20-yard line. Coach, we've taken to calling Turk by the nickname Flip on our broadcast because of the way he is able to consistently flip field position for your team with his booming punts. By the way, I think his hang time averaged 4.4 seconds and that's the most of any punter in the Pac-12 last week yeah um we're we were excited about getting him back obviously he had a chance to go into the draft he did not go he, he opted to come back we're excited about that and did a marvelous job as you as you mentioned he flips the field for you and that's what happens when you have a good punter um our field goal kicker you know he made some 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 field goals for us too uh you know now we I wish we we could have scored um, but those were critical as well, you know, in, in, in moments. So I think the kicking game was, 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 uh, was spot on. In fact, Christian Zendejas with those two field goals has now made 13 straight field goal attempts dating to last year. And that's now the longest active streak in the nation in uh, the football bowl subdivision. Well, if uh, the Cal game is played on Saturday night as scheduled, you'll be facing a team that was expected to in preseason to contend for the Pac-12 North Division title. Under fourth-year head coach Justin Wilcox, California has gotten better incrementally each season. Last year, the Bears had an identical record to ASU. They were 8-5 and five overall, 4-5 and five in the Pac-12. Like the Sun Devils, Cal won their bowl game. They defeated Illinois in the Red Box Bowl on New Year's Eve. Herm, when you look at them on tape, uh, you saw them in person and defeated them in Berkeley 24-17 to last year. What catches your eye the most about Cal's team? They're, they're, they're coached very well defensively. Um, physical unit, don't make a lot of mistakes, uh, run, run, run really hard to the football, uh, do not allow a big explosive play. So they're well, they're well uh, and they've played together. So they have a lot of experience. 
Remember in the game last year at California, Bears quarterback Chase Garbers had to leave the game in the first half with a collarbone injury. ASU went on to post a 24-17 victory. Garbers missed the next four games, of which Cal lost three. But when he returned late in the season, their offense started uh, to come together. What's your take on Chase Garbers? Well, very efficient quarterback. Um, It'll be interesting now in this new offense they're running exactly what he's going to do, right? But um, I thought he was uh, very accurate with the ball, didn't turn it over. Uh, They have a nice running game. The running backs are coming back. So um, this is a veteran football team. They've they've played a lot of football together. And as you mentioned, Coach Wilcox has done a nice job of really building this program. It seems like if it happens, this will be a matchup of two teams thrilled to be back on the field. Cal will finally get a chance to play after their season opening game was canceled. Last week, they were supposed to be home against Washington and had that game canceled. Arizona State get the uh, much-desired chance to bounce back from a close defeat at USC. As you see this game unfolding, Herm, what do you think will be some of the key factors that will determine the outcome? Well, I think, for one, offensively, um, not turning the ball over, uh, You know, going into our second game. Uh, I think, for us, we have to continue to run the football. I mean, you know, we've done a nice job of that. Uh, Defensively, um, stop them from running because they have a powerful running team. And not not allow the explosion plays. I mean, that's what got us. You know, we we gave up a couple of them there at the end uh, that really gave SC the ability to score. I think another key will be if Jaden Daniels, your quarterback, can continue to make plays with his legs. He rushed. He was your leading rusher last week, 111 yards. And if my memory serves, I think he had one of his best running games a year ago in that win at California. I think he might have been your leading rusher in that game as well. Yeah, he did. And, and we talked about it. I told him, you know, I said, you got to make four first downs for me every game with your legs. So he's well aware of that and did a nice job of, of leaving the pocket, and I, you know, I always and I tell him. He said it was kind of funny. He he whispered after the long run he had. He said, "Coach," he said, "I heard you in the back. I heard you like saying when I was running, know when the journey's over, know when the journey's over, get out of bounds." <laughs> so that's the first thing he told me. Went on a long run. I said, "Well, you're smart. At least you're listening." He said, "Coach, I know what you were saying on the sideline." I said, "Yeah, know when the journey's over, get out of bounds." From the stories you told the last two years, Coach, one thing I can say without any doubt, Jaden Daniels listens to you, doesn't he? He does. He does. <laughs> he does what this coach tells him. Hey, and, and, and another key factor we can't overlook, this is one of your alma maters you're going up against this weekend, hopefully. Yeah, it really is. Um, can you imagine me going there? I'm age myself. I, I walked on that campus in 1972. That's wow. a had a lot of hair on my head then, right? You can believe what what that campus looked like in 1972, right? Man, Boy, I was in the heat of it. Yeah, I'll tell you what, now you changed your life. You <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Herm, we always appreciate spending time with you on Thursday nights. Here's hoping your team and Cal's will be able to go at it in what should be a great football game that we hope to see unfold this weekend. Best of luck to you, and thanks for joining us tonight, Coach. Thank you, my friend. Talk to you later. Always great to visit with Sun Devil head coach Herm Edwards, our guest here on All Aboard. No matter where you're watching the ASU game, Saturdays are made to chill with Coors Light. Coors Light, an official beer of ASU. And remember, 
21 means 21. Coming up, we'll chat with Sun Devil running backs coach Sean Aguano. You're listening to All Aboard with Coach Herm Edwards, presented by Coors Light and the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen, here on the Sun Devil Radio Network. Now this time out. This is All Aboard, presented by Coors Light, the third quarter. We are airing All Aboard, presented by Coors Light and the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen on Facebook Live. You can check out the live stream of the show on the Sun Devil Football Facebook page. Tonight's broadcast of All Aboard with Coach Herm Edwards is brought to you in part by Lyft. Thank you, Lyft, for being a proud partner of Sun Devil Athletics. Welcome back to tonight's show, everybody. I'm Tim Healy, the radio play-by-play voice of Sun Devil Football, and we're delighted you joined us this evening. From an ASU perspective, perhaps the most satisfying development in last Saturday's 28-27 loss at USC was the play of the Sun Devils' young, brand-new ball carriers. Arizona State entered the season as the only FBS team in the nation with zero career rush attempts by any of the running backs. And yet, despite that inexperience, the Sun Devils were still able to accumulate 258 yards on the ground against the Trojans. Here with us tonight to provide his insights and perspectives on Arizona State's youthful backs is a gentleman now in his second season as the Sun Devil running backs coach after a highly successful stint as the head coach at Chandler High School, where he won four state championships with the Wolves. We're delighted to welcome Coach Sean Aguano to the show. Sean, how are you this evening? And I ask all my guests, the first thing I ask, how's your health? How's your family been through this pandemic? My family's doing incredible. Uh, my son is a freshman now at uh, ASU, and so um, he's having a good time. And But uh, we're doing fantastic, and, and I'm glad to be on here. That's great. Uh, great to hear, and we're delighted to have you on the show tonight. Now, listen, when you hear that tidbit that I just mentioned, Arizona State, the only FBS team without any of its running backs ever having had a rush attempt in a college football game entering the season. How, how, how did you react when you first heard that little nugget? I was worried. Trust me, before uh, I had a little anxiety issues prior to the game, but uh, you know, after that <laughs> first run, um, uh, we're ready to go. But I'm excited about that group, and, and they're just fantastic kids, um, and I'm honored to coach them. You came into this season trying to figure out how to replace a terrific back, Eno Benjamin, the two-time thousand-yard rusher, of course, now with the Arizona Cardinals. Which of Eno's many outstanding qualities did you figure would be the most challenging to replace? You know, his aggressiveness when he ran the football and then yards after contact. Uh, I thought that would have been hard to uh, replace. Um, But I thought they did, you know, both uh, Chip and Rashad did an incredible job um, doing that in the game, and, and they ran really hard uh, for me, and so I was very pleased. You, so you entered this season with the top three spots on your running back depth chart belonging to a JUCO transfer and two true freshmen. Given that fact, how surprised were you at the success you had on the ground against USC on Saturday? You know, I, I wasn't really surprised um, just because the way – from a professionalism standpoint, how they attack practice. Um, you know, Daniel Nagata had minimum uh, play time, but all three of them are, uh, go about their days in a professional manner. Um, they're all very competitive. Um, they practice very hard, and they all get along. Um, and so um, their running styles all complement each other, and they're all different. Um, and so I'm, I'm very lucky to have that in the room. Um, every day they come to work, never late. 
um, just trying to improve and get better. Uh, of course, you know, there's only one ball to go around, and, and they have to uh, share that, and, and that's uh, some of the struggle with them because they've been stars at, in high schools where they've come from. And so, um, But I love that group, uh, uh, guys, and I'm honored again to, to coach that group. It's interesting you say share the ball because they each ended up with 12 carries in that game, and boy, did they do a lot with those carries. Let's, Sean, for a minute, let's talk first about Rashad White, the transfer from Mount San Antonio College in Southern California, a young man who comes from Kansas City. He ran the ball 12 times for 76 yards. He averaged over six yards per carry and then caught three passes for 70 yards, including that 55-yard catch and run where he simply sped through and then outraced the USC defense. What insights can you give us about Rashad and the qualities that he brings to the table and brings to your position group? You know, again, from his professionalism, um, everybody sees him as a glider. However, he's an aggressive glider. Uh, and, you know, people were surprised at what is, about his speed. Because he's a long strider, um, it seems that he's not running real fast. But once he gets going, uh, it surprised a lot of people. And we're, we're excited to have him. Um, and his personality, uh, when he, he lights up the room when he comes in, uh, and, and every single one of the backs do that. And so, um, again, I'm excited to see him progress through the year um, and see him perform. Your recruiting coordinator and co-defensive coordinator, Antonio Pierce, I thought had a great phrase about Rashad, uh, who played at the same junior college that AP did, Mount San Antonio, or as it's known, Mount Sac. AP yesterday, when he met with the media, said, quote, I'm a sack dog, and he, referring to Rashad, is a sack dog as well. What do you think he meant by that? Is that his way of saying Rashad has that kind of chip-on-the-shoulder mentality that you often find in a JUCO player? Absolutely. You know, they they came from a hard road, um, and this is their shot, and so they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, that underdog, and I think that Coach uh, uh, Pierce and Rashad uh, come with that intensity, and so um, it's great to have uh, in our program. Now, Rashad White is 6'2", 195 pounds, as uh, Sean mentioned, has a tall kind of almost upright style of running the ball. If he's the lightning in the ASU backfield, then I think freshman Chip Trainum brings the thunder at 5'11", 230 pounds, but with speed. Chip, 12 carries on Saturday, 84 yards, and he had two touchdowns on runs of 25 and 17 yards. What qualities, Sean, do you think will make Chip a special back at ASU? You know, his aggressiveness and his and his body lean, um, again, uh, such a professional kid. Um, when we recruited him out of Ohio, uh, you know, the administrative staff cried when he had to leave early. He's just He brings uh, about that energy in our group and, and just a mature kid um, and, and very, very talented. And when we watched his film, uh, he made plays as a defensive player as well in high school. And so we knew that he was going to be a physical, physical back. Um, and, and something that we needed in our program. And, and Coach Edwards likes those big physical backs. So, again, Trip, Chip uh, uh, compliments Rashad, and Rashad compliments Chip. Um, and they do a, a heck of a job preparing together. And you don't see that too much. As you mentioned, he's from Archbishop Hoban High School in Akron, Ohio. And he was injured a good part of his senior year, wasn't he, Sean? Yes, you know, he had a high ankle sprain. Uh, that kept him out for uh, a few weeks or so. He wasn't at 100%, but you could see his ability uh, on the field, and I got to watch him play. Um, 
uh, in person, and, and he did a heck of a job. I think he returned uh, a pick for uh, pick six, and then uh, ran a, uh, a touchdown from a kickoff return. And so he's a he's a playmaker as well. Now, the other first year back on your depth chart, you mentioned him, uh, four-star recruit Daniel Nagata from uh, Folsom, California. We didn't see him last week at USC. Uh, is, is it the expectation he will play against Cal if the game takes place? And what type of back will we see when Daniel finally takes the field? Uh, absolutely. He'll, he'll be playing uh, this week. And, and Daniel reminds me uh, a little bit of running style like Eno. You know, um, you know he's, he's a playmaker with the ball in his hands. Um, I'm I, extremely excited about Daniel. Um, him, again, comes with a professional uh, aura about him, uh, takes games being uh, very seriously in his competitive nature. And so to have those three is uh, is incredibly lucky on for uh, us to have those guys. For sure. You also have a jack-of-all-trades at times in your backfield, the sophomore Case Hatch, listed as a fullback this year after he played mostly linebacker a year ago and made first-team All-Pac-12 as a special teams player as a freshman walk-on. What dynamic does Case bring to your group and to the team? You know, Case is that uh, multifaceted player, can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's probably one of our toughest players um, and, and Everyone uh, can count on uh, Case. And so um, to add him to our backfield uh, with those other three, um, it's a weapon to have. And so we're going to see more and more of him as the season gets going. But uh, um, I'm a lucky guy, Tim. I mean, I absolutely love my room. And and, uh, um, hopefully we progress uh, every week because they're young guys. They're 18-year-old kids, and and, uh, um, we expect a lot from them. And we'll see how this – uh, success uh, brings about uh, um, more maturity in the in the game at the Pac-12 level. Boy, a good start, though, for your kids. And uh, let's give credit where credit is due. Those big fellas up front did a nice job for you run blocking, didn't they? That offensive line, and in particular, left tackle Kellen Deesh, the newcomer from Texas A&M, A&M I believe was the highest-graded run blocker in the entire Pac-12 conference last week. Absolutely, and we couldn't have gotten anything done without those guys up front. They practiced really well the last couple of weeks. Uh, Coach Christensen and Coach Mawai are doing a heck of a job, um, and, and and they get along real well. Um, they work together, and so uh, the more and there's some young guys on that um, that front line, and so the more they progress, I think we're going to get be better and better as a team. And I love their physicality um, in that first game, and so um, hopefully it, it transforms every week into. Um, a, a better and better game, but I, I like those guys up front. And what does it do for your run game, Sean, when you have a quarterback that can beat you with his legs as well as his arms? Jaden Daniels had a 111-yard rushing game last Saturday. You know, he's uh, he, he beat our guys out there. We knew 84 and 76. <laughs> uh, you know, when in doubt, Jaden run, and, and and he does an incredible incredible job. Um, he has that moxie and feel about the game, when to do it and when not to, when to get out of bounds. Um, he's an incredible uh, athlete. Um, and so for him to be a leader of that offense, um, we're, again, we're very lucky. And he gets along really well with our running back room and, and helps them transition as well. And so um, him being a leader uh, for that group is, is important for our, for our younger guys. And he did, he did a heck of a job. 
Boy, it's going to be fun to watch Sean Aguano's position group uh, develop this year. Exciting young talent in that running back room. Sean, always great to visit with you. Stay, uh, thanks for stopping by. Stay healthy, and let's hope we have a game on Saturday, huh? Absolutely. I appreciate it, Tim. Thank you. ASU running backs coach Sean Aguano, our guest tonight on All Aboard with Herm Edwards. No matter where you're watching the ASU game, Saturdays are made to chill with Coors Light. Coors Light an official beer of ASU, and remember, 21 means 21. The Sun Devils are blessed to have one of the best and most experienced safeties in the Pac-12 Conference, and you will meet him in a moment. But first, these messages on the Sun Devil Radio Network. The fourth quarter is next on All Aboard with Sun Devil Head Football Coach Herm Edwards. No matter where you're watching the ASU game, Saturdays are made to chill with Coors Light. Coors Light, an official beer of ASU. And remember, 21 means 21. I'm Tim Healy, thanking you for joining us on tonight's installment of All Aboard with Coach Herm Edwards, presented by Coors Light and the Lodge Sasquatch Kitchen. Our final guest of the evening is a young man who had himself one heck of a game Saturday at USC, posting a career-high 17 tackles, the most of any player in the Pac-12 in week one of play this season. Ten of his stops were solo tackles, and in addition, he forced two Trojan fumbles in the game. All told, he was the Pac-12's third highest graded defensive player in week one. A senior from Oklahoma City. We're delighted to have safety Evan Fields on the show with us tonight. How you doing, Evan? Uh, how are you and your teammates uh, dealing with all the news swirling around these days, preparing for a game when you're not sure if your opponent's going to be able to play, your own practice called off today, trying to bounce back from a loss. How are you and the guys handling all this stuff right now? Oh, man, you know, we're trying to all just come together and, you know, keep positive. So, uh, you know, that's just been the vibe. And we're trying to prepare like we're – we're still preparing like we are playing. So, as far as they – as far as we know, we're having one. So, we're going to continue to prepare like we're playing one. Absolutely. As a senior, I would think a lot of your teammates, especially the younger guys in the secondary, look up to you. What advice would you give them on how to deal with what's been going on the past few days and how to come back from such a tough loss as the one you all endured at USC? Uh, I would try to say, you know, it's always about kind of remember, like, remember why you're doing it. You can get caught, you can get caught up with all the stuff that's going on, but when you, like, think back to – you know, how much we've been working and uh, what we're trying to get to. I feel like, you know, that's always a good way to try to get back on track and try to refocus. Now, you heard me recite the numbers that you compiled on the field last week at the Coliseum against the Trojans. How did you evaluate your performance in that season opening game? Uh, I feel like I made I made, I made, made a few plays. There's definitely some uh, stuff looking back after watching film that I could have done better. As usual, I'm always trying to look to see what I can improve on. But um, uh, it, it was a, I guess an, I'd say an okay start. I feel like um, that's something I could, I could be should be able to produce like that every game. So uh, I ain't gonna be a one hit wonder. I feel like that's something I can always do. I know when I look at myself, I think sometimes I am my own toughest critic when I evaluate maybe how I do things professionally. How about you? Are you your own toughest critic? Yeah, especially, um, you know, just with the coaching staff that's come in, they've always, you know, just harp on, you know, getting better. So that's one thing that's been instilled in my head, uh, you know, um, especially, you know, trying not to get hung, too hung up on 
a good performance because you know we still got it's always time for next week so I'm kind of a uh, you know keep looking forward to what's next type of guy absolutely now your co-defensive coordinator Antonio Pierce had some interesting comments about you yesterday when he met in uh, with the media in his weekly session <clears throat> he described you as a missile out on the field and added that there were some loud collisions on the field with number four involved of course that's your uniform number how do you feel when you hear your coach say things like that and how would you describe your own style of play uh it's, a, it's definitely a good feeling especially coming from coach ap because i mean when he played he was a missile so uh it's definitely <laughs> a good thing to hear from a guy like that uh someone who's won a super bowl at the highest level um but, you know, yeah, I try – when it comes to, like, hitting, I try to be as violent as I can within the rules when I play. So that's something I've always was taught by when uh, my coaches when I was growing up to, you know, as violent as you can within the rules, though. So, um, you know, in football, that's that's one of my favorite parts about the game is just, you know, hitting. I mean, the collisions, you know. Um, it's, that's probably my, my favorite part about uh, just being physical, you know, because, I mean, that's I feel like that's the way the game was meant to be played. Where did you get that physicality that is such a big part of your game? Uh, growing up, I've been playing football since I was – I started – actually, the age groups when I first started were supposed to be five and six, but I was four, and my dad uh, skipped me up and let me play anyway. So uh, I, I, when I growing up, I was kind of smaller, um, so, you know, and I was never really afraid. So it was kind of about just like that fear factor of never being scared of anybody. Overall, how did you evaluate the play of the defense at USC, especially considering the fact that you guys were on the field for an astounding 95 offensive snaps by the Trojans? Yes, sir. Uh, I felt, you know, going, we, I felt like we played physical. That's something that the coach Harper only wanted to go in there and try to beat up on those guys. And I feel like we did that. The one thing I feel we need to improve on is, um, you know, when going into the fourth quarter late in the game, we play a lot of snaps and, uh, your mental, your mental focus and mental toughness can fatigue during that time when you're tired. So I feel like you know during a clutch situation like that, we got to do a better job of you know focusing in and uh, figuring out a way to pull that out. Boy, they say that football's a game of inches, Evan. And those last two Trojan uh, touchdown pass plays, uh, I think, was real evidence of that. Especially that tipped pass for their first touchdown. What was your perspective on the two uh, touchdowns they scored on fourth down passes, no less? Yeah, I remember, I believe one, I had I had a cramp. So I had, I remember I had exited for about three or four plays with a cramp. And I'm pretty, I think that's when they had got the tip. Um, and, the, and then the last one, I remember seeing the last, the last touchdown. I remember jumping off sides on the first one and then I remember getting the free play. And seeing the ball land right in his hands, uh, it it kind of like just ripped my heart out. And that last one, you know, I, he made a great throw, Slovis did, and uh, football. But uh, yeah, you know, it's football. in the head. You gotta figure out a way to put it past us. And you know, all we can practice, we've just been focusing on finishing. You know, because that was the whole thing last week. We we went out there, we played a good game. I remember the year before that, the thing was starting fast let them get out to a fast start. So now we just got to figure out a way to uh, put all four quarters together. How about the play of uh, your Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week, linebacker Merlin Robertson? He was terrific, oh, wasn't he? Man, man he was. I, lo- I love having that guy in front. I'm like, when I know he's in front of me, man, it just gives me a sense of comfort, you know, having him right there. But, 
you know, he does. He's a great guy, great athlete. The play he made, the interception he made, just a crazy athletic play. And I mean, that's something he's been doing since he was a freshman here. And I think as he's gotten older and more mature, he's just blossomed into the player that uh, he's supposed to be and the dominant player that he's supposed to be. Speaking of dominant, a lot of people feel as though your secondary can be maybe the strength of the defense this year. How do you evaluate the secondary, Evan, uh, especially the, your safeties and, of course, the corners? I thought Chase Lucas, Jack Jones, and Jordan Clark and Tamarcus Davis all did a good job limiting USC's passing game outside the numbers last week. Yeah, as far as I, I feel like in, in that room, in our defensive back room, we have the best athletes. So we, we hold ourselves to a high standard. And uh, we kind of, we have a lot of experience in our room as well. So uh, we harp on, you know, trying to set the example for all the position groups, you know, because uh, if we can get it started, get the swagger going back there, it'll it'll flow onto the rest of the defense and through the whole team and so on. So, um, you know, we just we hold ourselves to a high standard, especially uh, the secondary. Our corners, I mean, uh, we feel like our corners are the best in the pack and they can – shut down whoever needed to be shut down. So, um, and as far as safeties, we've done a great job with chemistry and just talking and being able to, I feel like our chemistry and talking is, has helped a lot with the defense, you know, with learning the whole new calls and everything, uh, just ca- talking and communicating and all, make sure and we're always on the same page and, and that eliminates mental errors and, you know, big plays. What will be the big challenges Cal will pose for you? You you were able to beat them last year at their place, 24-17. to Uh, If this game is uh, played this weekend, how will they challenge your defense? Uh, They're a very physical team. I remember that last year, physical running back, downhill. Um, And then off of their running game, they set up a bunch of play action. So having our eyes right, especially in the secondary, not getting too hung up on the run, you know, just reading and reacting. Is going to be a a big key, and you know we got it. We got to be physical with these guys because I mean that's what their game plan preaches. Last year they came down downhill, a lot of downhill plays running the ball. So uh, we just got to be able to you know uh, bring the fight to them, you know, and try to uh, out physical them. Boy, it'll be weird to have Sun Devil Stadium empty, won't it? Man, it sure will. But I'll be excited to get back to playing there. It was. It was fun to finally get back out there on the field last week. We have been feeling like some dogs on the chain ready to get loose. So uh, we're we're glad it's back. And especially coming off a loss, I imagine you're extra motivated to get back on the field. Oh, huh? Yeah, yeah. I feel no uh, our coach, you know, harped on that not getting our heads hung down. You know, um, you're gonna have things happen throughout the season, and uh, the way you bounce back is what defines the team. You know, so we we still got so a lot of games to be played. So we're gonna go out there and um you know the we're gonna learn from what we did the learn learn from the last game but uh we're ready to get back out there and get that w great to have you on the show evan keep up the good work thanks for joining us bud yes sir always good talking to you sun devil safety evan fields joining us tonight on all aboard thanks to our engineer sean crespin for his help tonight and also our in-studio coordinator, Mitch Vereldis. And a big thank you to Tim Cassidy, Nate White, uh, Nate Wainwright, and Marcus Castro-Walker from Sun Devil Football. Join us again next Thursday when we preview ASU's scheduled trip to Colorado. Till then, I'm Tim Healy saying thanks for listening and so long, everybody.